This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1. This is the evolution of intimacy with Ella Shannon. A show about sex, relationships and everything in between. You can start to feel bliss while you're vacuuming. I don't know if I've tried that or not. Do I want to try it? What is it? Very complex, very interesting. Clogging, whipping, caning. So there I was in my high heels and my little dress. So it is purely a stigma. Healthy sexual expression with other humans. I went to the local women's health centre and went, I think I'm a lesbian, is there a support group? They don't know quite how to talk about it. It's actually a core skill in relationships. That has always worked for me. Amy, welcome to Evolution of Intimacy. Thank you so much for being kind enough to come and talk about kink today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to have a chat. Well, perhaps a good place to start is to ask, what is kink? So kink is an umbrella term that kind of encapsulates uh, sexual acts and um, certain practices that usually involve sex, um, but often include things like BDSM, fetishes. Um, and it's, yeah, so it's a term that is kind of usually used to capture a whole range of behaviours. Okay, so could you start with BDSM and share with us a bit about what that is? Yeah, so BDSM is probably um, a term most people would understand. It's often thrown around um, interchangeably with kink. BDSM is an acronym that stands for um, bondage, domination, submission, sadomasochism and masochism. And so it kind of encapsulates a practice where there's often a dynamic between two or more people that involves uh, the use of pain, physical sensation, humiliation and control. And it can look really different for each person who practices, but essentially it's around um, eroticizing power exchange. Power exchange sorry. Aha. Uh-huh. And you also mentioned uh, fetishes. Is that something different? Yeah. So um, a fetish is a term that often gets... Uh, used incorrectly but essentially it's the eroticism of something that's considered um, different or uh, abnormal considered to normal sexual practices however um, fetishes can be something that can be included in kink play um, but doesn't necessarily need to be. I see and you said pain and humiliation as part of this so most people shy away from those experiences we're kind of wired to avoid pain and humiliations not seen as something we would strive for can you help the audience understand why that might be eroticized and yeah yeah so look it's different for everyone who practices people get different things out of bdsm or kink practice Um, which is part of what I've kind of found through my research and my own personal interaction with the kink world. But essentially, a lot of people find, usually it's one of two pathways. One, they feel like they can actually gain control um, and a sense of feeling normal by actually taking control and utilising humiliation and pain in a way that they can control. Or a lot of people find um, that engaging in... Uh, power dynamics 
or um, elements where there's pain, essentially, they can reach a new heightened sensation or experience that often seems quite taboo. So like you mentioned, a lot of people find pain and humiliation something that they would shy away from. A lot of people find that by engaging in it and surrendering to the experience, they actually experience a whole new level of sensation and pleasure that they otherwise wouldn't have. So if you're working with pain, is that safe? Is there risks involved in this type of lifestyle or sexual interaction? Absolutely. I think um, from my own like personal experience and a lot of my research, one of the key elements of the kink community is safety. So we engage often in practices, not all the time, but often that involves an increased risk to someone's mental health or their physical safety. So, for example, maybe some of the more hardcore practices like edge play um, or breast play where someone's having their breathing capacity limited, it's really important to have a really clear safety structure around how they practice. So this is established before there's any kind of interaction between two parties and it's something that is managed and mitigated throughout a practice. So when we talk about um, engaging in kink, we often refer to it as play or a scene. And so before anyone engages in a scene or some play, there's an open discussion around limitations. There's a discussion around safety mechanisms such as, um, you know, safe words or safe signs or symbols. There's a discussion around um, certain hard limits someone might have or certain responses that might come up during play so for example um, if someone might get triggered during a b and c act they also will have a discussion around like if i do have a response such as this can you respond in this way and so it's a discussion that's really clear and it can go for quite probably usually a lot longer than the actual scene is (laughs) beforehand so that both parties are actually consenting to engage in a scene that they both understand what the limitations are they both understand how they're going to keep each other safe and they both understand what are the mechanisms they need to use if they need to stop the scene for whatever reason you are listening to the evolution of intimacy with me ella shannon a show about sex relationships and everything in between most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec. I'm a woman. Like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and mm. I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been attracted to myself. <laughs> so they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind blowing. So risk management and safety and kink is at the foreground and it's a really hard and very strict point of the community. Um, We've often seen that if someone doesn't take safety uh, as predominant or important in their play, 
they'll often get ostracised or there'll be a very um, strong response from the community around letting it be known that that's not okay and that's not what the community is about. Wow, so it's really embedded as a culture, really, the safety aspect just as much as anything else, it sounds like. Yeah, you'll often see um, acronyms thrown around, like, you know, safe, sane, safe um, practices. So, you know, talking about in order to engage in play, you need to be sane. So you need to actually be able to be in the right headspace to give consent and to follow safety measures. And you need to be aware of all of the safety protocols beforehand. So um, there's a lot of um, emphasis, I guess, in the community and a lot of emphasis on people who are entering the community on understanding and learning about safety before they ever get you know, a paddle in their hand or they ever look at ever getting tied up. So it's a really important thing that is the foundation of the King community. And one of the things I think that even some of the vanilla world can probably learn a little bit more about. Absolutely. So you talked about scenes or play and you've said paddles or different equipment can be used. And I think you mentioned mm-hmm. ropes. Uh, what would a, why is a scene different than everyday sex? What might you see? Uh, is there role playing? What's happening? Yeah, so look, there's different dynamics and different types of relationship structures in the kink community. So we find people who are in long-term relationships where um, they might engage in kink on occasion um, in their sex life. And then you also find people who or in dynamics, so they might be in a submissive, dominant kind of relationship where they'll play together quite often. And then you'll also find people who um, are just looking to engage in a scene on one-off. So when we refer to a scene, we're talking about um, a pre-structured, so a discussed um, type of play where everybody's kind of of the same understanding of what's going to happen in that play, what are they going to get out of it. So it's a bit different from, let's say, like a normal kind of one-night stand, let's use that for example, where you're just kind of going by what feels good, you're having discussion in the moment, you're kind of just experiencing um, sex and it's a one-off kind of thing. When it comes to a scene, it might be one-off between two parties where they only engage in it once. However, it's something where they both have a clear understanding of what they want to get out of it. So it might be a discussion of, this is the type of play I want to engage in, these types of acts. Um, Again, like I mentioned before, the safety mechanisms, a really clear kind of conversation will take place beforehand around what they want to both get out of the kind of interaction. So uh, scenes as well can also, don't necessarily need to include sex. So that can also be a big difference. There can be a kink scene and there can be a kink relationship or dynamic where there's never ever any kind of sexual interaction. Ah, so what types of things might be happening? So um, it kind of depends on what the parties are into, I guess. I mean, everyone has their own kind of interests in terms of kink and their own types of limitations. So, for example, um, someone might be interested in, say, impact play. So impact play is um, where an object is um, essentially hit against a body part. So that can include anything from... Flogging, whipping, caning, um, it can be, you know, spanking. It can kind of encapsulate a number of different sexual acts. So beforehand, you know, one person might say, look, I'm happy with caning or I'm happy with whipping or slapping, but I'm not happy with this. And the other party might go, well, I'm actually not happy with whipping, but I can help you with caning. 
And so it's kind of a discussion around what both parties want and then a scene is kind of constructed beforehand. They kind of both understand what's going to occur. They both give consent and then they can move into it and it kind of goes quite naturally from then. So it's it's uh, both parties are part of that construction of a scene, I wow. guess. Yeah, it sounds really quite deeply negotiated before it even begins. This is Ella Shannon and you're listening to The Evolution of Intimacy. My guest, Amy, is sharing about the importance of communication when it comes to kink. Communication is key in the kink community, not only for safety, just for um, common respect. Communication is something that needs to happen before, during and after any kind of play. It's really a, a cornerstone of the kink community. And you said beforehand people discuss what needs they might get met from the scene. Mm -hmm. What might be some examples of needs that could be met through kink and BDSM? Yeah, so kink is one of those things that mean different things to different people and and everyone gets something different out of kink. So, um, for example, someone might see it as uh, a hobby or just part of their sex life, so they might use it to essentially get off, <laughs> um, for lack of a better way. Um, so their, their kind of need might just be, I want to have fun, I want to be creative in a scene. So that might be something that they negotiate. Another person might actually find the kink world and, and their scenes and their play as quite therapeutic, a way that they're processing emotions or reconnecting with their body. Um, so they might, you know, have a need of, I really need a lot of aftercare. Um, I need a lot of sensation play. I need a lot of check-ins. And that would be something they would negotiate beforehand. Um, so everyone kind of gets different things out of kink. Um, I've known a lot of people that see it kind of as an escape, a place where they can get um, mental harmony. I've had people where they find it to be a place where they actually feel connected because it's so based on safety and communication trust is something that again is another piece of the foundation so a lot of people talk about connection is something that they can only really find at a deeper level in kink because they struggle to trust outside of it um so it can mean a different thing to different people and and that's the beauty of the kink scene is that a scene can be negotiated so that both parties who may have very different needs are all going to get met because it's something that they're both part of constructing together. So it's quite a collaborative, beautiful, creative, adaptable, flexible kind of way of interacting with the world and each other. Beautiful. It sounds like there's a bit of a community of people that engage in this type of play together or that know each other. Can you share a little bit about that world? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I... So I'm originally from WA, and, and WA's kink scene was quite small when I lived there. Um, however, I, so I've come to Victoria, and there's a very different scene. So when we talk about scenes in terms of kink community, we're talking about groups or um, social kind of avenues where people who have shared kink interests can meet. So um, we'll often find things like um, kink munches, which is social events that happen in vanilla settings, a cafe, a restaurant, where people just come and they discuss interests, they talk about different types of plays they want to interact with. Um, The kink community socialises in a lot of different ways and I think because 
it is such an open and non-judgmental space, a lot of people often find that the kink community is almost their sole source of socialisation. It's where their friends are, it's where they feel safe, it's where they go out and have social events. Um, so the kink community can often be found in munches, it can be found in play parties. Um, there's often a big kink community kind of social event around education, especially for people who are new entering into the scene. A place where it's very welcoming and you know, they encourage people to come and be who they are and kind of just explore and get excited about trying new things. So the kink community is, um, I would say, a big motivating factor for people who do come onto the sort of scene. They often find that once they engage in the kink community, even if they stop practicing for a while, for whatever reason, they'll often still come to social kink events. Um so it's one of those things that is a big draw for people and it's a big part, I think, in why people stay in the kink world once they've started. Wow. I mean, just that sense of belonging and being a part of something is always yeah. really connecting and special, so that makes sense. What about for people that don't really see themselves as kinky or have never really explored this but listening or I've started to think about you know what that sounds great and I'd like to start exploring that just within my relationship what would you yeah. suggest for them absolutely look I would say the first and biggest thing I would definitely recommend is education so um, a lot of times I wouldn't recommend you know Dr Google <laughs> um, I would recommend actually searching and finding your local kink community so they'll often be um, kink munches that are advertised. You can go on kink-based social media such as FetLife. So FetLife is essentially um, a kinky version of Facebook and you can kind of find local munches, local social groups that are within your area where you can start making those initial connections and through that getting educated on what kink looks like, what are the types of play that you might be interested in, what are some of the fundamental safety mechanisms you need to be aware of. And through that, you can start coming to some social events, trying different things and kind of getting mentored a little bit. Kink is one of those things where a lot of the times what you came in for is not what you end up engaging in because there's so much variety that a lot of the times people are encouraged to try different things and see what works for them. And, and it kind of opens up a big world. So if there's anyone out there who's maybe always thought about trying kink or maybe intrigued a little bit about by the community, I would definitely recommend first steps is to seek out and find a local munch group, come along, and I guarantee you'll meet people that will welcome you with open arms and will be more than happy to kind of help guide you along the start of your kink journey. Just finding out, getting used to people and working out what you'd like to start trying in a safe way. So I have to ask, why is it called a munch? Where does that word come from? I actually don't know the orientation, but my best guess is that because it often involves food. So um, it's essentially it's a place where people come, they have a drink, um, they have some food, and it's kind of just discussing things. So it always involves food, <laughs> okay. which is the basis of any good social event. True. Um, <laughs> I actually don't know why it's called Munch. That's a good point, but it always has been called that. It's so a cute my name. Biggest, 
Yeah, my best guess is that it doesn't involve food. <laughs> and it sounds safe as well, you know, would always encourage people never to meet someone they don't know just one-on-one, to always go to a public place. If there's a group of people, then it's a much safer kind of situation. So it sounds like a really yeah gentle introduction. Yeah, and look, every kind of social group and local group is different. So you'll often find um, local groups where there maybe is a small, tighter group. They might need to do a bit of a vetting process. So vetting is kind of finding out someone's identity, getting to know them to see if they're genuine. So it might be the case that you might have to call up or um, answer some questions. You might meet some people beforehand in a public place. Um, and then you'll have maybe bigger local area groups that are just happy for anyone to come along to a social event because they're usually in you know a restaurant or a cafe or a park um, and just come along and meet people and see if there's anyone you click with. So there's definitely a lot of elements of safety. Consent is a massive thing in our community. So you'll never have to worry about anyone being inappropriate or pushing boundaries. Um, you know, something as simple as, you know, giving someone a hug, you should always be asked that first. That is a common practice and something that um, being in the kink community, I kind of took for granted quite a lot. Um, you know, being asked if someone wanted to hug me or, you know, tap me on the shoulder beforehand. Then I went to, you know, a local pub just in my general community and everyone's touching everyone and no one's consenting and no one's asking. So um, it's a big thing in the, in the community. So don't, don't worry, just rock up, be yourself, be genuine, ask questions and you'll be welcomed with open hands. You'll be very, very, very safe. Amazing. Thank you so much, Amy, for sharing some of your wisdom and some insights into a world that many people perhaps don't necessarily know about or understand. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. And look, it's a world full of excitement, um, fun, and some of the most genuine and kind-hearted and amazing people you'll ever meet. So if you've ever been interested or you just kind of want to learn a little bit more about it, I definitely definitely recommend, you know, doing your research, getting in touch with your local community. I have no doubt you won't regret it. You've been listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon. We're feeling juicy the whole day. Every desire I could possibly think of. What sort of impact would it have? They want it, they're going to go and get it. They don't think of long-term consequences. Oh, did that feel really nice? Oh, yes, that felt really delicious. Being able to feel good about my body again, that's been a huge thing. All anybody really wants in this world is to feel seen and heard. We actually do have a lot that connects us physically. It's making people feel good. There is a real sense of hopefulness that returns in a relationship. A really beautiful thing. Take that beauty and that calmness and that bliss and that sense of peace out into the world. This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1.